Episode 441, The Rant, Nyreef George, Part 2, The Return. Before the strange summer of 2021 started, we chopped it up in the garage of one of my OGs, Nyreef. He returns on The Rant to discuss the state of NYC, the state of officiating, his lessons in assigning, and catching up, all while I munch on some Chinese food. All that and more, Nyreef George, Part 2, The Return. Now. The Rant has been brought to you by Geo Studios, now open. They are located one block south of Westbury Train Station in the heart of Long Island, New York. Looking to bring your art or event to life? Trying to record a podcast? Enjoy six rooms of studio space to create audio and visual content. It also includes an 800-square-foot cyclorama wall studio, a state-of-the-art recording studio, three breakout rooms for four to six people each, which include a green room and lounges, a quality surround sound with six speakers and studio lighting, and most importantly, two on-site restrooms. You know I need my restrooms. Book your space today. For more information, find us at geoevents.com. The Rant has been brought to you by Long Island Legends U, the premier youth flag football league on Long Island. Calling all ages from four under to 18 and under, both boys and girls. Sign up as a team or a free agent. Expect pictures, social media posts, full game weekly highlight videos, and much, much more. Fall season for 2021 is rapidly approaching. Sign up today. To register, visit legendsu.com or follow us on Instagram at LILegendsU. Legends are not born, they are created. The Rant has been brought to you by The Island Garden, located at 45 Cherry Valley Avenue, West Hempstead, New York. Long Island. Enjoy three basketball courts with various camps, clinics, leagues, and the biggest AAU outfit in the nation, the Long Island Lightning. For more information to find out how you can get on the court, contact Tom at islandgarden.com. Welcome to another edition of The Rant. I'm your host, Ralph the Ref. I'm with a super special guest, part two, The Return. From episode 77 fame, multi-sport official, also a, a signer that um, is going to be guiding me now and now that I'm in my newly found role, uh, trying to, trying to make me feel bad. Too. And also, I want to let you know, my birthday's February 10th, man. I want to, you know, get one of those birthdays, birthday shout outs. But my man, uh, Nareef George, what's up, man? What's up, Ralph? How you doing? So, I, listen, I'm happy to to pull up over here. It's been a while. I, two years, man. Referee Rant has definitely gotten to a different level. Are you surprised that Referee Rant has grown as much as it has from the first time we taped to, to now? I won't say I'm surprised. I'm going to say that I, I'm proud and I knew that you had what it take to get it to where it's at and where it's about to go. Mm. Oh, so you think that there's – I'm leaving – I'm leaving more meat on the bones that it's going to go further. Yes. What makes you say that? Because referee is like a brotherhood and it's a network. And what you're doing for us as referees and how everybody talks is mm. going to push it to where it needs to go. That means a lot to me, man. And we're taping this on April 12th, 2021. Obviously, we've been 13 months ensconced and immersed in this pandemic what have you been doing around this time? Have you been doing volleyball? You've been doing lacrosse? You've been doing softball? You've been doing baseball? Because it's some of those socially distant sports that we love as officials. Well, for the pandemic, I've been home with the family and referee and trusting. <laughs> and we'll get into that, man. We'll get into that. But, um, you know, now that it's, it's really weird now because I, I don't really look at the numbers anymore. 
before I used to be really into the numbers and I used to really be into like the press conferences and CNN and, and what's going on because a year ago around this time, the sky was falling and now things are opening up. And even, even if it gets as bad, I just think it's like socially unacceptable for everything to shut down at this point. And it's a weird season for me. My volleyball season is the same amount of games with a fraction of the time. So my season's only been three weeks and I'm in week, kind of like week two right now. And we've already played 10 games. We played a doubleheader. And, you know, we were talking about this off air about just a volleyball doubleheader. My first game went four games. My second game went five games. And I just was like, yo, we could, we could have been handled business in this whole situation. But, um, you know, I want to talk about the pandemic. First, I want to talk, first, I wanted to thank you for participating in the New York High School Madness. That was a good look. You ended up refing uh, the eventual champion, St. Francis Prep. So shout out to you. How was your experience refing that and also doing meaningful games at Island Garden? That's probably something that you haven't done in a very long time. One, I want to thank you for the opportunity of having me there. I really appreciate it. And uh, St. Francis Prep was a good team. That guard is real strong. Yeah, they were tough. They were super tough. Were you surprised that they won the whole thing or not? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was. I was kind of betting on Jeff or yeah. um, Smoke Team. Oh God! But <laughs> you know, but I was surprised. Yeah, they ended up meeting in the semifinals, and they had a triple overtime game. So shout out to South Shore. Shout out to Jefferson. Uh, we had African Ike on 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 the ones and twos. We had uh, Spicy Talk on on the on the mic. It was it was definitely a movie, man. And I was happy that it went well. Um, did that feel weird that it was in Long Island and we were doing those types of games? Because those are normally games that we do in the five boroughs. It didn't feel weird because I know that these kids want to play. I know that they, they've they been home and they, there's 2K and there's only but so much in 2K you can want to do mm. and eventually want to get out and play. And I know that growing up when you was playing AAU ball, you traveled everywhere to play ball. So for them to want to come to Long Island to play ball, ain't wasn't none. weird. Yeah. So I want to go back to those early moments in the pandemic. I know you're like me. We kind of just change seasons and we're moving on to a helmet or we're putting out a penalty flag for, for lacrosse and you wear all these many hats and you always try to compartmentalize, divide all these different things. And on top of a signing, when March 13th happened, NBA shut down, everything was a different type of world. And I know for those two weeks, especially when PSAL, not even PSAL, the Department of Education the New York City schools ended up closing and they never closed for anything. When that closed, I think everyone started taking it serious and everything started shutting down. And then even in the summer, they put down all the rims. Where were you in that moment? So first of all, I want to ask you, how were you holding up during the coronavirus? How's your family doing? And going back to those times 13 months ago, before everyone got vaccinated and thought it was socially appropriate to wear a mask, um, when was the moment that you took all this real serious? The moment that I took things real serious is when I got furloughed from my job. Mm. When you get furloughed from your job and you have to come home and you home every day and you want unemployment, this is when you know that it's real. And you, you know, you're watching the news to try to gather information of what's really going on, but everybody has their own version of what's going on. And to me, I'm kind of a little bit confused because I'm like, you're telling me we, it's a virus? telling me that this virus is deadly. You're telling me that stay away from everyone. 
And then you're watching all of these people just pass away mm. one by one, by one, by one, by one, by one. And now you're just saying, hey, you try not to put yourself and family in harm's way. So you try to just stay inside and do the best that you can do. So during that time, I want to thank God that I was able to have a wonderful home where I can be in my backyard all day and be in the pool with the kids all day and be in the man cave and, you know, run to the store, get your essential things and come back home and, and enjoy your home and, and appreciate your home and, and your family a, mm. a lot more. Mm. Now, during that time, I know for me, especially like last March, I didn't know where to put referee rant because if there's nobody reffing, if I'm not reffing, that was really like the cog in the wheel that was making me go. I was able to talk to people. But for some reason, when I talked to young lady Shanae Joy Jones of the city, I spoke to her and I kind of flipped my attitude because I was like, okay, well, there's a whole bunch of referees and there's a whole bunch of coaches and there's a whole bunch of players that we're all in the same boat. I want to see, I just want to check in and see how they feel. So it kind of took a life of its own. And truth be told, it kind of catalyzed, um, it propelled me to a different elevated sphere, if you will. Um, and I guess that's an unintended consequence of the the pandemic. I never would have thought that, but also it at the same time, it was a death for me because my identity was, my identity was so linked to being a referee. And, you know, I know that I spent a lot of time with my family, but it was also still a dark time. And it was also a time like, my kids doing remote learning. And at the time, it wasn't like the teacher was out there. They were just like, here you go. Here's the assignment. So like, it just was very confusing. So it felt like a little death to me. What did it feel like in terms of officiating for you when initially baseball got closed, softball got closed, lacrosse got uh, closed, and then all of a sudden the rims got taken down? That is your identity. When you, people think about Nyreef George, they he's somewhere, whether that be on a court or a field, somewhere in the city, somewhere in Long Island. And you didn't have that identity anymore. What was that like? It was all right, though. Because I think outside of refereeing, everybody knew me for the party guy. Everybody knew me for the barbecue guy. Everybody knew me for being a social butterfly guy. Mm -hmm. So when it was time to just sit down, you know, you, you take that time and you spend more time with your family and you you value that. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you get to see who your relationships are during them times, who's going to check in on you, who's going to make sure you're okay, Who's going to make sure you're good and you take that time. You got to find a way to make that negative into a positive. Like you can't just sit in the house and constantly be depressed because you can't change the unknown. Right. Unknown is there's a virus every day. Someone is passing away and you just got to try to be safe as much cautious as possible as you can. And not put yourself in a position to get a virus that's going to allow you to be passing away. And that's just what I did. Just you, went, you ended up not having it, right? Not having it. Not yet. Thank God. You going to get the vaccine? No. Nah? Is that because of personal choice or something like you read or? I'm not going to get the vaccine because I feel like AIDS has been killing people for years. And we now have this virus and they found the vaccination for it in a year's time. And they couldn't find a vaccination or anything for AIDS. Mm. Um, so no, um, not for hard her. no, hard no. Okay, so you're just gonna wait for herd immunity and probably don't have the ability to have it. My aunt, friends, took this vaccination and still tested positive for COVID. Mm. 
So the vaccination is supposed to limit your risk for catching a virus. Mm -hmm. This is what they want you to believe. And yet people are still testing positive for this. And all they're telling you is just to quarantine. I'm still confused. Mm. Tones are hard no. I'm very confused by this whole thing, but hopefully we do get back. If you had a prediction, when do you think everything's going to be? No mass, people in the park. Has to be a whole nother year. Whole nother year. Whole nother year. See, I did say, and, and Jeff, Jeff, shout out to Jeff, who's over here on the side, episode one over here. Um, facts or not, I said summer 2022. I did say summer 2022. And, it, and it's, it's probably going to be... Uh, Almost accurate. I think it'll be a little bit before that, but I did want to ask you, so do you think that your perception of refereeing is different? I know for me, I feel like I got more into the podcast. I got more into referee rant. And it's not to say I don't like refing because I do. You know, matter of fact, I'll give you a funny story. Desmond, it's as if he was like, yo, come come and ref. And I'm like, eh, I don't know. And I, and that's like when I started feeling like, man, I'm, I'm like Nairif now. I don't, I don't even want to, like, I want to ref, but I don't want to ref, but I do want to ref, but I don't want to ref. And he's like, but it's with me. And we could do a podcast after. And I was like, okay, that's appealing. But then once I get, got on the court, I'm like, okay, I love this. I love this. It's like a drug for me. But at the same time, after that day's over and I wake up the next day, I don't feel enthusiastic like I need to chase it, like I used to chase it. Do you feel like your relationship has changed since the pandemic about refereeing? Or you still think you still love it the same way? I still love it the same way. I feel like I have my days where I'm chasing the money. Mm -hmm. I have my days where I'm I'm chasing the craft to better myself. And I have my days where I'm just chasing to help a young official get to where he wants to go. So every time, every weekend that I'm working... I'm in one of those modes. For me. What mode were you in in the New York High School Madness? I wanted to come out and see what the venue was about. Mm. Um, I heard that it was a real, real, real big stage. Um, I definitely proud myself on being one of New York City's best recreational referee. And uh, I wanted to be a part of that. It was a big stage, two great games. And once again, thank you for having me. Yeah, and shout out to Arthur Lee Walker, who also handled his business, and I'm still looking forward to doing the first game. And I'm, I'm sorry for both of y'all. I know Nairif hit me the kite maybe like three months ago, like, yo, come and get this smoke in, in Yonkers. And I was like, ah, I'm still not sure about that. And, and, you know, as true to form, I ended up not refing my tournament. But, you know, during this whole time, before we get into the next question, this whole time of pause, he's 13 months taking down the rims and then coming back and then, you know, now it's socially acceptable to play sports. What do you think you learned about yourself during this whole time of pause? Patience, more patience. Um, family is more everything mm. than anything. Um, still learning and growing on how to be a better father, even though I got four kids, but you're still learning more things about being a better father, being a better husband. Um. And good conversations with good people. Yeah. You know, when you talk with good people and you have good conversations, it'll broaden your arose and to elevate you to, to be a better person. Yeah. You know what I really hated about the tournament? I, I, truth be told, I never really enjoyed it because I was the one that was like hosting it and running it and I was running around 
with my head cut off because I was running the refs and I was doing the media and I was taking pictures and I was also taking videos. So my head was just all over the place. But those moments that I really enjoyed were those moments when you came in, Arthur came in, other refs on court too, and you're like, oh, they on the court and you haven't seen them. And you see the brotherhood, man. I, I really got such a rise out of seeing that. And some of my favorite moments were like in between timeouts when, and, and you know, it, it, it kind of simulated street ball because, you know, when the photographers are all up in there and they get them angles, ain't nobody going to have the better angles of referees than a referee taking the pictures. So I always looked at it as an opportunity. And truth be told, I got a lot of heat that I didn't even show you or Arthur that I'm going to be pulling out at some point. But what I was trying to get to say was during that timeout, I remember we had a conversation about just, you know, the assigning and, and all these things, because I told you how, you know, my predicament is different because it's not something that you really aspire to be. You know, you kind of just like think of it as a mythical thing of like, wow, this person controls that game. And then you think about it like more on not necessarily the selfish tip, but more so just what would it do for me? Like, what would it make me want to do more games? Would it make me want to push other people? But what I really wanted to ask you is about Tri-State. You know, I was talking to Lavelle. He came a couple of days before you did. And he was looking at me like, yo, big time. What's up, man? And I'm like, Lavelle, don't, don't talk to me like that, man. Come on. First of all, shout out to Lavelle Cannon. That is the person that really looked out for me. I'll never forget during the timeout, I was doing a Heat Elite game. I think his son was playing. I knew him from nothing of nothing. He comes out during the timeout. He like, yo, boy, what, what's your name? And I'm like, my name is Ralph. He's like, where you live at? I live in Hicksville. Yo, you be reffing in the city? Nah. Why not? You just be reffing here? And I'm like, yeah, it's not that far from my house. He's like, bro, don't waste your time out here. You're wasting your talent. I was like, what are you? I'm, and I'm like, who, who are you again? <laughs> He's like, trust me. Yo, take down my math. So I ended up having this whole journey of like discovering the city because people from Long Island like me, we don't know about that. See, people from the city, when they come here, it's like a different thing because it goes from there's so many games, there's so many varsity games, there's so many opportunities. You come up here and you realize that there's no opportunities. Or rather, there is opportunities, but you have to really find the matrix, the Rubik's Cube. You got to crack the code to find out what's going on. So shout out to Kareem Smith. Shout out to Lavelle Cannon. Those are the two young men that ended up always being in my ear. And I thank them so much for putting me onto the city. But when he spoke to me, he was like, yo, what's it like being the king of Long Island? I'm like, what does that mean? He's like, you know, you and you and Nyreef, Nyreef king of the city. And you king of Long Island. I'm like, what does that mean? So, you know, I wanted to tell you that I had that exchange with him. And the reason why he called you the king of New York City is because not everything was baking at the time. You found a way to be able to still bake during a pandemic. I want you to talk about your experience running Tri-State during the pandemic. First, I'm going to give a shout out to Lavelle and Kareem. Those are my brothers. Speak to these guys about every day. Second... I want to thank Mousy and my whole Tri-State family because it's more than just a referee and a signer. We're more like family now at this point in time in, in our careers. And um, Tri-State is my home. It's funny now that I don't really think about refing any other place because I felt like I have my own foundation, I have my own home, and there's no need for me to go anywhere else. Um, you know, people call me. I, I do come out for certain things for certain people. Um, 
And that's just where we got. Mm. But I, I remember this one time because truth be told, and we talked about this on episode 77. First time I worked with Nareef, it was like, I think we were at St. Ray's. St. Ray's, yeah. And, you know, the ceiling is low. It's a stupid-ass game. Like, it was just all off the hook. But then I remember I was talking to this one younger official. And he's like, I, I got plugged in by this guy named... I, you tell me if you know him. I think he's from Long Island. His name is Nyreef. And he's putting me on three games. And, you know, heavy is the the crown that you hold. Because you could look at it one thing of like, yeah, I'm, I'm very omnipotent. I, I could be a powerful person. But you really use that to put people on a stage that maybe they're not ready to handle, but you put them in positions to be successful. And you also are very careful and deliberate on thinking about the success of the younger officials, because I know you just like me, I'm a referee's referee. I know what it's like to get shut out in certain situations. I know what it's like to out riddle something when it's, it's basically a puzzle and you're trying to figure it out yourself. Um, but I do know that you have given people over the years and specifically during the pandemic, opportunities for them to be seen, especially during the pandemic, because nothing was, was going. Talk about your interaction with some of these newer officials that got opportunities through Tri-State. Well, for the newer officials, as me once being a newer official, I felt like we never had a platform to really go out there and consistently work on our craft and consistently try to get better and consistently learn. You know, if you're working two games a month or three games a month, you're not really learning and really, really working. You need to be out there kind of like every other week. You need to have three or four or five games where you can say, hey, I know that's a travel. I mm. know it. Hey, I know that's a double dribble. I know it because you're seeing it. You're identifying it. If you see it this time and then two or three or four or five weeks go by and you do it again, it's kind of like when you're new, it's kind of like I'm really not too sure. And then it's, it's so much preparation that comes with being a new official, getting to the game on time, making a game bigger in your head than what it really is. Not wanting to mess up, wanting to get the call right, but forgetting the mechanics part and forgetting everything else that you want to do because you were so focused on just getting the call right. And, you know, I try to teach these guys every play. You know, that was a great call. Hey, next time, put yourself in a better position. So you can see the play. Next time, try to wait a little bit. Let the play start, develop, and finish. But, you know, all of those things take time. But what I try to do at Tri-State is give these guys a platform where they can continue to work, elevate on the game, and figure out where they want to go after that. So talking about that, that particular situation, um, it seemed like, and you tell me if if this is right, like right on the head, there's probably so many people that were so eager to ref because they haven't refed in so long. And there's people like me that were like, eh, I don't know. I'm not really into refing. Was it more of a demand than you thought or was it like really hard to get referees? It was more of a demand than what I thought. Um, I had veterans that I was shocked I called. And um, you try to be fair uh, as possible as you can to spread the money around and because you know everybody has a family everybody has bills and everybody needs supplement money when there isn't any coming in how it used to come in right so I try to be fair on how I ration and reason and 
give those games out. Some so, weeks it works great. Some weeks it don't. Mm. So talk about like some of the best moments that you had. Was there like a specific person that really elevated their time? Was there a sticky situation where you couldn't get games covered because people got sick, they got quarantined? Was there any situation like that? For me, I'm going to say my girl Shay was a, a, a moment for me. Mm. For me to... Give her about 12 games a week for four or five weeks in a row and watch her eager to want to learn, eager to get better, asking a lot of questions, putting herself in position to want to get better was uh, a moment for me. Mm. You know, I always say that she's one of the biggest winners of the New York High School Madness because I definitely invited her. She was one of the few females that ended up doing it. And she had that East Meadow South Shore game, which was smoke. It was smoke. And she handled herself. And I was very proud that she was able to do that. And I was like, yo, who you been reffing for? And she's like, Utopia Nairif. I was like, no no wonder. So shout out to Shay. How'd you get hip to her? With John and all of them? Yeah, with John and all of them. She got way better, right? Way better. Well, the more games yeah. that you work, mm -hmm. the more that you ask questions, the more that you are able to say, hey, I kick that call, right? And not beat yourself up for kicking that call, but want to say, hey, I know the next time when that call comes, Got I'm going to get it. Mm -hmm. That's what's taking you and making you a better official. Some officials, when they knew and they start out and they kick a call, when a coach is yelling at him or a kid is yelling at him, they don't know how to retain and process that information and say, hey, I know that to get it the next play. Mm. Um, so now that the pandemic is, I wouldn't say under control, but now that it's socially acceptable to play sports and not everyone thinks it's, it's crazy, is it different assigning now because people feel like it's more normalized? Is it back to normal the way it was like in 2019? So... I don't want to say that it's different now. I just want to feel like it's more that people are trying their hand in the tournament world. Um, more referees are now seeing this is more consistent. This is what's coming. And let me try to get some of this consistent money mm. on a weekly basis. Mm -hmm. So I, I want to get real with all, all of this, like, assigning thing. Um, I know I had that conversation with you during the timeout of, like, what I should expect. First, I wanted to ask you, I really feel like, and you tell me if this is wrong, if I'm, if I'm talking out of line, you definitely elevated. Even though you was an assigner before all this stuff happened, you know, when you're the only one that's baking in the city, I mean, that's, that's a powerful thing. So I think it elevated you to a different stratosphere. I also feel like that for myself, not even just the assigning part, just being able to make referee content without, you know, refereeing really existing. So do you feel that it was different because of the pan pandemic? Do you think that it was advantageous that it happened? I'm not even talking about the deaths or anything like that, but just more so like your own personal situation. Um, I guess so, yeah. You can say yeah. You can say yeah. Why do you think? So refereeing... It's like habits, right? So when you, when you have a habit, it's like an addiction. Right. So 
that's something that you're addicted to. Mm-hmm. And because you're addicted to it, and now that it's pulled away from you, you go through withdrawal. And now you have to figure out how do you deal with this withdrawal? How do you deal with this therapy? How do you deal with this rehab? That's an assigning call or what? I don't know. Let's see. <laughs> All right, so I want you to break it down for me after we had that whole interruption, getting your son some pizza. Would you get some wings? Is that what you got? Nah, that's some boneless chicken. Oh, boneless. I'm going to take some. You want some, Jeff? Here you go. All right, so I just got to send it to this signing situation. Um, give me some of the do's and don'ts, man. What have you learned during your whole time of uh, your stint as an assigner? What should I be looking for? I don't even know where to start with that. I mean, because there's going to be days where you just got to get the game covered and you need a body and it don't matter who the body is or what the referral is or how bad the guy is because at the end of the day, it's still your your responsibility to get these games covered. Mm. Then there is what we want to call your homeboys, your favorites that lean on you, I want to work every day, every other day, every weekend. And then you got the people that feel like you're cool, so I can pick and choose when I want to work for you. I can pick and choose the times I want to work for you. And it's that. And then you got the guys that could only work nine to five Saturday and Sunday. I said, in my life, I've never known someone to be so busy all the time Mm. that they couldn't work two, three, four, five, six, or seven o'clock. They just always have to be nine to five. So those are the the kicker parts of the asana. Mm. So how should I navigate all of those different types of archetypes within the officiating community? Because it's starting to round out that way. I see what's happening. I'm, and I'm sure you're like me, man, just getting, I think I got about 103 text messages that I haven't even attended to. And it just gets worse and worse. It's going to get worse and worse. You know why? Because nobody really wants that Saturday game at, I guess, 7, 8, or 9 o'clock. Or no one really wants that Sunday game at... Seven, eight, and nine o'clock. And then there are days where we want the game because we're not really doing nothing on the weekend and X, Y, and Z. So you, you got to narrate through that. You got to have what I want to call an A team of referees, a B team of referees, and a C team of referees. You want to have your favorite referees. You want to have your good referees. And you want to have the guy that's reliable responsible, always on time, even though he may not know how to ref that well, even though he may not be that great, but he's always there when you need him. He's always working. And that's the guy you you try to push more games to, to elevate him more, to get him better more, to bring him up more, and to push him more. How about the whole duality of being the assigner and having carte blanche of whatever games you want? Uh, to me, I'm trying to be thoughtful and careful and deliberate of not abusing that power and still just trying to spread it, as you said, rationing it off. Um, is this something that you balance out, that you uh, are careful and thoughtful and deliberate 
of when you do these games and the who you do it with them? In the beginning of my process of being a referee and becoming a signer, no. It was always work, 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 work. So when I was transitioning to becoming a signer without even knowing, it was, hey, tomorrow bring a referee with you. Hey, tomorrow bring a referee with you. Hey, tomorrow bring a referee with you. And that's how it went all the time was bring a referee with me. So when I started noticing was in Tri-State, we was working seven days a week. We was doing Monday through Friday, six o'clock at seven o'clock at eight o'clock in a nine o'clock game. And we was doing Saturday and Sunday from one to nine. And because I took on a responsibility of working and chasing the money, you're not really thinking about the games. You're thinking about the money and you're chasing the money. Mm. So, yeah, I know Ralph. Yeah. I know Arthur. Yeah. I know Kareem. Yeah. I know LV. Yo, you want to come work? I could put $150 in your pocket for the day. Come, come work. I'm not even thinking about that. Because I'm working every day. Mm. But with my situation came a little bit of complications because another individual had the tournament. Things fell south. And I was kind of the referee that was just there like, yo, hey, come work tomorrow. I need you to work the next day. I need you to work the next day. I need you to work the next day. And next thing you know, I'm working every day, seven days a week to close out the summer. And then it came to the fall, a winter league. And next thing you know, this guy is running a tournament all year long. It's like it's kind of no days off. You maybe got a week or two in between, and then you right back at it again. Indoor, outdoor, and it's consistent money, sometimes seven days a week, five days a week. Three days a week, and it's going. And then you like, yo, I could do my house over. Yo, <laughs> I could do my deck over. Yo, I can get a new car. Yo, I could go away. Yo, you know what? I want to go to the club with Ralph tomorrow, spend $400 and pop two bottles. It's all right. I know I'm going to get another three or $400 the next day. And then, you know, you'd be like, all right. And then there's them days where you'd be like, nah, we did it today. Mm. Today was just too much. Mm. I shouldn't have worked. I just mentally wasn't there. Game was probably bigger than me at the time because I mentally wasn't there. And, you know, you go. So the signing aspect now becomes further now is because you realize you can't work every game because now there's multiple courts running. And then my first big time was was Iona College. It was probably like eight courts or something like that. And this is when I was like, all right, I arrived. Mm. Let me embrace this. 
let me make this work. And this, this could be a good thing for, for me and Mousy together. So you feel like you transitioned from a point of like, I'm just taking this initially so I can pick and choose what games I want to a point where like, now nah, I'm really being impactful in this situation. Right. So in the beginning, you know, when you don't really know the individual, it's kind of like a, a boss and a worker situation. And mm-hmm. that's, that's how it was. And then the more that I spend time with Mousy and you talk to Mousy and you eat and you build and, you know, then you become a brother and then it becomes more not like a boss worker. Now it's more of a, a brotherhood and this is our thing together. We mm-hmm. in this together and we're going to sink and swim together and, you never want to let your brother sink. You always here to help your brother and uplift your brother and do the best you can to keep it going. And, you know, I know people don't really like Mousy for their own reasons and they, and their own personal things. And everybody's entitled to their opinion, but he's the most consistent tournament, most biggest tournament and the most ongoing tournament all year long Year after year after year after year after year after year after year. I, I have every referee to come and work for me. They went through the, the tri-state umbrella. Um, you know, I'm big on relationships. I'm big on rapport. I'm big on communications. Um, and, um, you know, that's where we at. Yeah. Well, I got to talk to you off air about Mousy. I'm trying to, maybe you could broker that deal. But anyway, <clears throat> so now that I'm in this situation, you know, I think about where I am in this moment in time of like, you know, it's it's like a fork in the road because like I, could, I see that I could do any game I want. But that's not what I want to do. I really want to impose a change. I want this to feel like the place that it used to be that you remember when you first started. Now, I don't know if I'll be successful. I'm going to try my best. To do so. Just talking about the assigning thing. I feel like you've grown and matured in this game. And, you know, you, unbeknownst to you, just like I said before, you're probably trying to figure out what games you could do. But now you feel like you're making a deep impact. Does this make you feel as though with all the other sports that you want to do, you want to delve deep into assigning those sports as well? Not at all. Um, With assigning... A tournament in other sports becomes a major responsibility. Um, and at times, no disrespect, becomes a major headache. Um, because everybody's a prima donna. Everybody feels they are entitled to. And everyone feels as though that they are bigger than what they are. And no one is humble these days. No one feels like they should be thankful for having an opportunity to make some money to take care of your child, to pay child care, to pay a bill in your house, to pay a car note, you know. And and that's just where I'm at with it when it comes to that aspect of, of it now, today, because there's a lot of tournaments out here and I feel like the older guys are, you know, chasing money. Some some days people working on their craft, but overall they they chasing money. And, you know, like we said off here, I'm going to give my guy this game 
Because he's going to go make this quick $100 and go on his way. Yeah. That ain't nothing wrong with that, though. See, I don't, I don't, personally, I don't think there's anything wrong with that because everyone's like, yo, Ralph only got this because of the relationship he got with them. Who you think built it? <laughs> it's, it's as if, like, that's as if I didn't work hard. Work hard. To do that, you know what I'm saying? So, like, it's everyone has the same opportunity to talk to whoever they want. It's what you make of that. What advice would you give me as a newly minted assigner moving forward so I can be successful and have longevity the way you have? Take one weekend at a time. Get your schedule. Um, if you can... Try to look to see who's playing. If you can't, it's not really a big deal. Overall is that, you know, you need the game covered. And, you know, you want these guys to go out there and do the best job that they can. Um, you know, Al Allen Garden got three courts in it. JMF got two courts in it. And then there's a 100 other sites that got multiple courts in it. So it's a lot of coverage. It's a lot of area. And... When you get to that point where it's a lot of courts and it's a lot of coverage and it's a lot of areas and you need a lot of body, you don't really have time to babysit your friends. You don't have time to babysit your homeboys. You don't have time to babysit the friend of the friend because now it's business. Mm. And I'm running five gyms and I got 100 games in five gyms on a Saturday and Sunday that I need covered. And Narif, you my man. And it's either you could work 9 to 12 or you can't work 9 to 12. But I need this 9 to 12 game covered. And it ain't got nothing to do with friendship. And it ain't got nothing to do with anything else. It's about business. It's about responsibility. I got to get these games covered. <clears throat> That's good advice, man. So I'll, I'll definitely take that. Because there's someone waiting oh, yeah. for your position. Yeah, There's someone that's ready to come in and say, Hey, you know what, Fox? Guess what? I could bring you 30 referees at $27 a game. Mm. Don't say that on air. <laughs> because this is where we at. This mm. is how bad the, the, the cutthroat is, especially now we're in a pandemic. It was already bad during that time, but now we're in a pandemic that... There's someone waiting for you to fall. There's someone looking for you to fall. There's someone whispering. There's you, someone, you feel that way about yourself too? Yeah, I definitely feel that way mm. about myself. But that doesn't make change your, your confidence level. It doesn't change my confidence yeah. level because when you have a relationship with someone, you know that it's going to be good days and you know there's going to be bad days. There's mm. no such thing as perfect. And it's how your relationship is and how y'all choose to weather through that storm together. Right? Because even though Mousy's the boss, I don't look at him as the boss. This is my brother. Right. My brother's running this show. Mm. How am I going to help my brother? How is my brother going to help me? Where am I lacking that my brother sees that he's going to tell me to uplift me to push us to where we need to be? Mm. If I'm just the worker and you're just the boss, then there's no elevation. You just gonna scrutinize, point the finger, and we we not growing. Mm. That's a good way to put it. Final question to you: Summer twenty twenty one. You gonna be doing your thing at Tri State? I know you're gonna be refing. 
What, what's your summer looking like? Summer 2021. I think I'm going to get more involved with volleyball, softball, baseball, and balance that out with basketball, lacrosse. I won't dedicate as much time into basketball now that I feel as though that I am established um, and organized and in position to not delegate the workout to everyone else. You know, if there's someone new that I feel like needs the tools to not be scared, know how to be in the right position, then I'm going to put myself in that position to say, hey, I'm going to dedicate three weekends. I'm going to work with him solely on everything, call playing, body language, moving, mechanics, patient whistle, teach. Every call, I'm going to remember, hey, that was a great call you made. Mm. Hey, next time, just wait a little bit. You anticipated the call. That's a good thing, man. That's a real good thing. Um, man, this has been great, man. I don't, I don't even know how to end this, but, you know, I would want to say that to me, I think you and I have the Chico because as much as people chase this basketball thing, I find it funny because I'm bringing in other sports. So I never think of it in a way where it's like they all compete and I'm like, bro, I'm like, so for instance, you know, we're taping this on April 12th, Catholic League open. All my Catholic League guys hit me up. They're like, you doing it? You doing it? No, nah, bro, I got baseball. <laughs> I got baseball. I'm not looking back, bro. You know what I'm saying? Before we go, though, I'm going to definitely, 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 definitely want to give a big, big shout out to my man, Damian Shaw. If it wasn't for Damian Shaw, I wouldn't be reffing a lot of sports. Mm. Me and Damian Shaw played basketball together growing up. And then, you know, he went his way, I went his way. I ran into Damien Shaw at a party, and he changed my whole life from me running to him to that party on. He was refereeing multi-sports, and he was new coming into the pro thing, and I was a veteran in the pro thing, and I helped him get through that pro thing, and him plugging me to all these other sports took my life, my career, into a whole nother Direction. I, I would have never thought about reference lacrosse if it wasn't for Damien Shaw. Never thought about soccer if it wasn't for Damien Shaw. Never would have thought about volleyball if it wasn't Damien Shaw. Damien Shaw refs volleyball? Yo, Damien Shaw. Come on now. Damien Shaw does it all. Damien's been ducking the podcast, and I'll tell you that much. If it wasn't for him in that conversation that day... <laughs> Like, yo, you got to do it, you got to do it, you got to do it. Oh, I wouldn't have done it. Yeah, well, you would have met another Asian fellow at some point. Some point. To find out that um, it's okay to do other sports. But, you know, my story is unique because basketball was my fourth sport. I already did flag football, softball, and lacrosse before I even touched that. You do girls or boys lacrosse? Both. You like better? I like girls. Me too, man. I just, I was going to take my field test next, next, uh, uh, yesterday. But it ended up getting canceled because of the rain. But I'm definitely going to go all in. They they play the game well. They know the game well. It's smooth sailing. and It ain't too much of showboating because it's team effort. They're yeah. well coached. Yeah, I like it. And you know, if, if, if anybody knows anything about Long Island, it is king out here. But before we go, 
now that you hear it, the referee rant, and you assuming into this assignment's position, how do you feel at this particular point? Do you feel a little overwhelmed? Do you feel... So we taped our podcast August 2019. So it was like six months before the pandemic. At that point, I felt overwhelmed because, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm making something that's never existed. In the beginning, I was so afraid that all my signers were going to rain down on me and say, you got to cut this out. You got to stop this. You can't be talking on the mic about all this. But I made a very careful decision to never talk about play calling. You ain't never going to hear me on a podcast and say, when you're in the lead, blah, blah, blah. When you're doing a coin toss, blah, blah, blah. You ain't never going to hear me say that. So I was always thoughtful in telling somebody's story because not everyone has met Nyreve George at St. Raymond's, the CYO game, where we call in. I don't even know what we, what we call when we when it hit the ceiling. What we call? I don't even know what we call. <laughs> Out of bounds. And I tell you, anybody, anybody that do CYO in Long Island, this is the most turned up game with the worst basketball. And it's like, it's like a mind bend because you can't believe how intense it is, but it's so bad. You know, that's where you cut your teeth. That's where I met you. That's where I met all my brothers. You know what I'm saying? I met Reggie Spencer there in a the garbage can. He's like, young man, you got some talent. You should start like doing something else. I don't know nothing. You know, you start seeing people in the beginning of like, they just everywhere and you ain't never there. You know what I mean? Then you get a little, a, a little name and you get a little consistent situation. But I was always very careful of not talking about play calling because that's not what we're here for. We're here to tell stories. We're here to shout out people. You know, when I, when I reached out to you, I just know the impact that you have for me. Even though we haven't ref that much, I just know that me and you was cut from the same cloth. And it's like a cerebral thing. I know we think on the same wavelength because not everyone's cut out to be a multi-sport official. Not everyone can talk to me about volleyball. And trust me, it's weird when I hear the likes of TR Lavelle, they telling me what I do in volleyball because I don't think of it that way. I just go year after year and we just do the same thing day in and day out. I don't think of it as like, you know, special. I think of it as like normal because that's what I do. Um, but how do I feel? I feel like I'm grounded in a sense that I just worry about what I wanted, what I have to do that day. So today I had to write a couple of emails. I had to set up a podcast and I had to record with you. I don't look too far ahead. I don't look too, I don't look a year ahead. I don't look, and I definitely don't look behind. So I'm talking about with your podcast, you know, we're talking about like 250 episodes ago, long time ago. And trust, like, you know, it's, it's crazy because I was like, yo, my man, Jeff, I'm like, yeah, we're going to see OG Nyreef, you know, big time out here. And um, he's like, oh, I remember him. He was on a podcast early. That bugs me out, man. You know, that bugs me out because, you know, I know that even you, I know you don't hear it every day. But I know at any given point, something might pique your interest. So when I hear like two months ago when you say, yo, I just listened to Arthur Lee Walker. Dude, that was special to me listening to him because his story was so rich. And this was right before his mom died. So to me, it was like a moment in time that you can never recreate. You know what I'm saying? It was in November. We knew we weren't going to have a season. So all the things that he was talking about on that podcast, you know, it was, it was such a beautiful thing for him to share. And also even you. 
early on in episode 77. Look how much you've grown from that time. And that was only two years ago, right? And that just goes to show your growth of trying to elevate, even if you don't think of it that way. You know that you can listen to it. You're like, oh, damn, I was on this before. Same thing with me. So how do I feel? You know, just like you said, and, and somebody, shout out to Rob Bruin, my man from Board 42. He lives in Roosevelt. He told me, bro, you ain't even scratched the surface. I was like, what's that mean? He's like, you can't even tell me you're going hard. I'm like, I'm going pretty hard. I mean, I got 350 episodes damn near. He's like, bro, you know how I know you ain't going hard? You ain't even meet the money. You ain't even meet the man with the money yet. And on top of that, are you going eight hours straight, not looking at your phone, going hard? I'm like, nah. He's like, so you ain't even going hard in you this far. Imagine when you lock in. And I got, I got I'm not gonna lie, I got scared. scared. But you know, I, I'm just worried about tomorrow. So if you ask me, how do I feel? I'm truly honored to speak to my brother, like Narif. Um, just to shout you out, man. Just, just all of the things. I want to thank you for. You know, giving people some money, giving some people some chicken, giving some people some opportunity during the pandemic. Thankful for you. Have all of our volleyball conversations. Cause yo, it's weird. Like I had a girl today was like, What what sports do you ref? I said, I literally ref everything except volleyball. She's like, Why don't you ref volleyball? I said, like, Because I wouldn't be in your life. <laughs> Cause you're not you I was like, you know, you're not the captain. So if you got any type of problems, I wouldn't be talking to you. And I said, it's, it's because of you and how much I care about these girls is the reason why I would never. And trust, I'm losing money off of that. I'm losing money. But yo, those, those girls are my heart. So if you want to ask me, how do I feel right now? I'm honored. I'm thankful. I'm happy where I'm at. But I know I got more to give. And I will get more to give. And I know you got more to give. So thank you for asking that question. Any final words you want to say before we part ways? All the new up-and-coming officials, if you want to get better and you're looking for work, come to death row, please reach out to Ralph, <laughs> and he will put you in contact with me. Yes, and, and if you want to work at Island Garden, same thing, and then we can, you know, and this is what I really enjoy about it. We can now work in tandem, and we could say, yo, look out for this person. I think they're ready for the next step, and we could really make a, a positive impact. But yes, if you want to get in contact and I read, Holler at me, referee rant. And, you know, Nairif don't be talking about no reffing things on his Instagram. He always talk about birthdays and, and drinking my wet Chandon. But anything else you want to say, Nairif, before we go? Man, thank you for having me and continue to push the referee rant forward. I appreciate that, man. But Nairif George, this is Ralph the Ref. This is The Rant. We are signing out. Peace.